Tim Lacombe, Jake Scott. What brilliance are you bringing us tonight? I don't have a ton of brilliance. In fact, I'm, <clears throat> I'm going to keep it pretty simple. I think we spent a bunch of time on the pregame show talking about, you know, just kind of the as easy as these, this game seems from a distance, you know, these games are hard sometimes. Uh, and we saw that with the Rockets when they came in undermanned and the Jazz kind of lost interest. I think what we've seen in a couple weeks is growth. And the bottom line to me that I got out of tonight is this. Rudy Gobert is a beast. And the, uh, the Utah Jazz did exactly what they should have done to this team. Um, it, it just, you know, it's hard to do it, but everybody was locked in and did it. And, um, you know, I, I think that's the message from tonight. Yeah, they led by 40. Yeah, I pretty much slept through the fourth quarter, so whatever, Tim. So said. did I. Did you hear the call? <laughs> <laughs> we actually heard it. I um, actually was working on skills in the fourth quarter. Yeah, that's that. That's what that was good for. Yes, I yeah. worked on new vocabulary words to use while calling NBA games. <laughs> nice. Working that material. This was the game to do it. Well, you've got to procure a rebound or corral it or gather it or snag it or devour it or yank it down. Corral's a good word. I like right. that word. you got to use better words. Yeah. Players, wrestle, wrestle. Players were exploding, hurling, wiggling, propelling, dashing, bolting, brushing, flashing, rat, racing, galloping, hot-footing. I love a good hot-foot. Wait, hot-footing? Like the, the match trick at the old, uh, old baseball Jordan Clarkson dugout? is the perfect player for hot-footing. That's like when in the Westerns where they shoot at somebody, right? And they have to dance. Right. Isn't that what Jordan Clarkson hot-foots it in the front Absolutely. court? I thought it was the joke where you put matches in the shoe sole and light the match. Be. Could uh, be so that, too. Could yeah. be that, too. Yeah. Could be walking on coals, for all I know. Well, Clarkson hotfoots it up to the front court. All right. I like it. It's got to do something. That was that was, uh, that was, was a dismantling. I mean, but I do think, you know, Ron points out that they, you know, this team's not good, and they're not. Um, but, like, they did play to the wire you know, they led the Lakers, a shorthanded Laker team, and, um, yeah, they're not good. I mean, Well, I heard you mention LeBron. I mean, uh, in all honesty, this team is paying the piper for that run with LeBron, right? They signed LeBron's guys to these just ludicrous contracts that LeBron left behind when he went to L.A., and they have to dig themselves out of that I, hole. I got a different Do you? I, I'd be curious to hear it. Well, LeBron carried Kevin Love and Kyrie Irving to an NBA championship. No, I, I agree with Which you there, but he the, also wait, he wait, also wait, signed J.R. Smith wait, and Tristan Thompson. Right, but, yeah, but at the time, Kevin Love and Kyrie Irving seemed like, oh, well, he, he had two stars with him. Like, what have they done since? Well, Kevin Love's hardly played since, and Kyrie okay. isn't on the team. And Kyrie's been mercurial at best? True, true. Although he's on your favorite to win it all. Yeah, probably not because of him. Well, he helps, right? Well, they got the two greatest. They got two of the three greatest offensive players, maybe in the history of the game, maybe two of the four. But I was more thinking the contracts LeBron left behind with the Cleveland team. I mean, they paid J.R. Smith all that money not to play last year. I've got a different thought on it. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, I don't want to like totally dismantle that ownership group entirely, but. Go look at what their records are in any year in which they don't have LeBron James. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I hear sense. you. I mean, the only thing they've ever done right as a franchise yeah. 
has had the greatest player in the history of the game born in their state. Now, that's just an insult to Mark Price and Brad Doherty that I'm not here for. Okay, that's fair. Since they moved out of the, <laughs> since they moved out of the Coliseum. <laughs> Craig Elo would beg to differ. Uh, could I tell some Craig Elo stories, but not on the air. Not today. Uh, yeah. Not today. Well, that wasn't uh, much of a, of a team that was out there for Cleveland tonight. And the Jazz, uh, you know, played them like it. Yep. All right. See you guys. Bye, David. One fourteen to seventy five is your final. The Jazz win over the Cavs. We're breaking it down next on the Jazz Radio Network. Jazz game night post game show here on the Jazz Radio Network. Jake Scott, Coach Tim Lacombe. The Jazz take apart the Cavs. One fourteen to seventy five. A game they led by as many as 41 points and a game that was essentially over by halftime, maybe even before. Coach, what do we what do we take from a game like this? Well, I, I think that you can't really read a whole lot into the opponent, the margin of victory, all that, because I think that, as you guys talked about in that last segment, this Cleveland team um, is not good. And certainly missing some key pieces, um, you know, to even help them be competitive. But what I take from it is I think we've we've seen improvement. And the Jazz faced this very test, um, you know, against the Houston Rockets first game back out of the All-Star break. And it did not look like this. And we weren't necessarily bored in the fourth quarter because they made that furious run. Um, and and so I think that's uh, that's what you're looking for. You're looking for the difference between that and what we saw tonight and that there's that shows improvement. And really that's what the regular season is about is you're fighting to obviously position yourself to be in the, in the playoffs, but uh, you know, playing your best basketball toward the end. Donovan led the way with 19 points. Conley at 18, Rudy at 18, Rudy had 17 rebounds and four blocks as well. But all these guys just played in the twenties, Tim, when you look at the minutes here, I mean, it, it was how a game like this is supposed to go. Royce played 23, Bogdanovich, 24, Rudy, 28, Conley, 26, Mitchell, 25. So, I mean, these guys uh, went out there and broke a sweat and uh, got a chance to rest a bunch of there in the second half. And with back-to-backs on the weekend, Friday, Saturday, um, you know, have one day off, that's really actually a really nice thing because it ended up being kind of like a practice. You know, all the guys got reps. Everybody got some time. Everybody got to feel pretty good about themselves and the team. And, and then you uh, you sit them down and rest, and now they uh, have a little bit more time to rest and recover uh, for the game Wednesday against Memphis again. Right, which they'll travel tomorrow, play, and then come back home. So, I mean, sometimes those one-day road trips, even in a non-pandemic year, can be a little bit tiresome. i got to imagine that it will be a little bit of a pain in the butt, but uh, the Jazz have now won 20 consecutive games at home, so playing at home seems to suit them. And that's our sixth, right, in a row, yep. sixth game in a row we've won. So I, I, I do believe that uh, things are d- starting to really kind of trend in that direction. Um, you know, the, the Jazz, they're, they're starting to get back to that rhythm that we saw, um, you know, in the in the long win streaks and, and the way that the Jazz played prior to the All-Star break. And that's really encouraging because um, we're starting to kind of round the bend. You know, I started to, the way I look at it, I look at the NBA schedule and we're down to the last scroll, you know because you have to keep scrolling, scrolling, yep. scrolling to get to the bottom, and, and you can fit the last part of the season now on one page. So um, that's what's exciting. The Jazz have put themselves in a great spot. 
And uh, Cleveland just struggles to put the ball in the hoop. For, uh, they shot 35% from the field tonight, 29 of 83. Uh, they were led by Colin Sexton, who had 20 points. It took him 18 shots to get there, 8 of 18. Uh, Garland had 18 points tonight, 8 of 16 shooting. And those two are kind of the two, I think, you know, that uh, that they want to build around, or at least the two that we saw tonight. But, uh, you know, they just didn't stand a chance, particularly against Rudy. I mean, they would they would get in the lane and turn around as soon as they got there. They really did. We saw that, I mean, 10 times tonight. Yeah. And uh, I loved when, um, you know, when Garland pulled Rudy away from the basket and then drove him and Rudy blocked his shot, you know, emphatically. Uh, just a, an awesome play, and Rudy was was spectacular tonight. Four blocks for Rudy to go along with uh, his 17 rebounds and 18 points. Rudy is so consistently good. I mean, he's just good night in, night in and night out. You never have to worry about what you get from Rudy Gobert. No, he's, he's, a, he's a pro. And, you know, we talk about your team wanting to improve, but that's, where, that's the standard Rudy holds himself to. You know, he doesn't care that they're playing Cleveland tonight. Um, his role and his mindset is to come out and dominate, and that was a dominant defensive performance by by Rudy tonight. Uh, with that, we will say good night to our network stations. Um, our next broadcast is coming your way Wednesday night when the Jazz take on the Grizzlies again in Memphis. This time, that game will tip off at six o'clock. Your final tonight: Jazz beat the Cavs one fourteen to seventy five. For those of you sticking around with us, we'll have uh, post game sound for you and continue to break this one down next here on the Jazz Radio Network. Jazz game night post game show here on the Jazz Radio Network brought to you by Mark Miller Subaru, Utah's only negotiation free Subaru retailer. Proud to be the official Subaru partner of the Utah Jazz. Learn more at markmillersubaru.com. Jazz win tonight over the Cavs 114 to 75. Let's go ahead and get to your sharp stats of the game brought to you by the Les Olson Company. Les Olson Company, your office technology partner. Jazz tonight shot 46% from the field, 46 from three, 19 of 41 from three, led by Donovan Mitchell, 19 points on seven of 14 shooting, four of seven from three. Mike Conley with 18 points, five assists. Rudy, 18 points, 17 rebounds, four block shots. Uh, and then a bunch of production coming in off the bench. Jordan Clarkson had nine tonight. George Niang had nine. And uh, everyone on the Jazz roster scored tonight except Trent Forrest who was 0-for-1, went scoreless in uh, 12 minutes. Other than that, the other 14 players on the roster all scored and really all played um, somewhat significant time. I mean, Elijah Hughes only had four minutes, but a lot of these guys, Matt Thomas came in, played nine. Uh, we saw Ilya Sova get in for six minutes and uh, get a bucket. And uh, we saw guys like uh, Mie Aoni come in and get 12 minutes. As I mentioned, Trent Forrest got 12 as well. So everybody got a little work tonight. Yeah, it was... Um... You know, if you had to draw it up, that's exactly what you would hope as a coach. You really were able to get out, really dominate. And I really like that Quinn rested, guys. You know, it's been a it's been a pretty intense stretch. The last week seemed like, you know, those the games were were quick and they played the back to back on the weekend. So for him to come out, dominate, get his guys out, get the bench guys out there and get them some run. Um, again, getting getting everybody involved, get everybody feel good and uh, then prepare to get out on the road. It's good to get those bench guys work. The Jazz have been very fortunate, and I'm I'm knocking on wood here as far as uh, COVID issues or, or injuries. I mean, they've had uh, some bumps uh, along the way, but certainly uh, nothing or far from serious. 
And so that's fortunate, but you never know when some of these guys, and you know, I look at a, a guy like Mia Oni, who's gotten uh, time, a little more significant time when he's filling in for others or, or Jarrell Brantley or somebody like that, who, who they've been grooming for a couple of years now. And certainly the new acquisitions in Ilya Sova and Trent Forrest, I mean, or, uh, and uh, Matt Thomas, excuse me. Uh, there, there could be re- real need for, for those two if, uh, if something happens. I mean, again, I'm knocking on wood. You never want never to see an injury, but you'd hate to see a season like this really derailed if a rotational player, you know, had to miss some significant time. Listen, if Donovan or Rudy, eh, I feel like I'm jinxing everybody, but if they miss significant time, really, what are you going to do? I mean, that's going to be really tough to overcome. But, you know, other role players, if you can plug some other players in there who have experience and know the offense, and that, that could be a, a, a saver, a game saver for this Jazz team. Yeah, it's, um, you know, the, the only way bench guys really get experience, because you get so much in practice, but it's games and reps in games. Um, and so for them to get any kind of time is great. I mean, Quinn gave them a whole quarter, yep. which was so awesome. And, uh, yeah, I do believe a guy like Mie, um, you know, is somebody who's played some rotational minutes. Um, but it's nice to see him get out there kind of in crunch time. Uh, or, excuse me, in, in not in crunch time. It's nice to see him get out there and just get a ton of time back-to-back and string some minutes together. Um, and so, really, again, Quinn writes it up. And at the bottom line, too, you win a big game big, you get to play everybody and nobody gets hurt. All right, let's uh, get some post-game sound going. Let's start things off with Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder. All right, we'll get started with Kristen Kenny, Jazz TV. Hey, Coach, we talk about connected defense. Uh, was tonight pretty close to that? You know, I, I thought the first few minutes of the game, we weren't as alert as we needed to be in transition. That's something that um, – you know, we talked about pretty early, and I, I saw our guys respond. Um, you know, some good things. I, I still think off the ball. You know, we've just got to be a little more aware. Um, we really want to shift and protect the paint, and you know, I thought did a good job of that. Really, with the ball handler, we've just got to be conscious of cutters as well. But you know, every game we want to defend, um, no matter who we're playing, no matter what style they're playing. And that's what we're after. Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. Quinn, obviously you don't want to take anything for granted in a game like this, but once you get up by a certain amount and there's only a certain amount of time left, what do you kind of shift your focus to, like in terms of trying to work on things or or in terms of getting certain habits kind of reinforced? Well, I, I think the habits are the same. You know, um, regardless of who's in the game, regardless of the score, who you're playing, and that—that's the nature of, you know, of habits. Sometimes when you get a lead, um, teams have a tendency to stop sharing the ball quite as much, um, and that's something I think we we did a good job of. We kept playing the right way. You know, we kept running back. There were, you know, usually if you let up mentally, you know, you can see it with certain mistakes that jump out and that, that wasn't the case. And I thought everybody that was in the game was focused on playing defense. Last question, Sarah Todd, Deseret News. When you are using one of the coaches challenge, like when Rudy stripped that ball or when Donovan stripped that ball, what's kind of your checklist before you actually make that decision? And is it that someone's telling you something or you're hearing a reaction or is it just from the player? What, what goes into that? 
you know, Sarah, we talked about this a lot last year when the rule was new and um, we've kind of kept the same, you know, the same system, so to speak. A lot of it will depend upon the score, um, you know, the time and score, I should say, and really timeout situation. So in that instance, um, you know, had, had we not had a timeout coming, but in, in that case, we were able to use a mandatory timeout that was coming at seven and, and it was a good time to go ahead and do it. Sometimes, you know, whether it's a player's foul, um, oftentimes, a, you know, a third or fourth foul that can come into play. And then, you know, you see a lot of times when I think coaches are reluctant to use their challenge because you don't get the timeout back. And, you know, particularly at the end of the game, if you need to advance the ball, um, you know, you're really weighing that versus versus the challenge. So a lot of things that go into it. Um, I think that the league will keep looking at the rule, um, but I think people are getting more used to um, to using the challenge. Thank you, Coach. Appreciate your time. All right, there you go. That's Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder. Interesting stuff about the the challenge, which is a rule. I don't think you know most coaches have figured out how to properly. Uh, strategize as you hear some thoughts to go into Quinn Snyder, but let's face it. I've heard Locke talk about this a bunch. Like who knows what way they're going to rule on those challenges. I mean, I've seen some, what I thought were obvious calls to overturn that get upheld and vice versa. I have no idea what they're looking at half the time. It's kind of like a, a court case that gets released on a technicality because really I, in my mind, the, the referees go over, um, you know, the Secaucus takes a look at it. And like you, I, I have been wrong probably half, a, half the time saying, hey, they're going to keep that. Or, but if there is any kind of out where they can kind of protect the referee, my, my feeling is that's kind of where they do that, and that's why you can never really predict it. Right. And, and we saw that big time in football, not to jump sports, but they instituted that rule. They have overturned it now, but they instituted that rule for a year about uh, reviewing um, – Pass interference calls, and uh, they overturned the referee something ridiculous, like 8% of the time or something crazy. And that was kind of the theory that, you know, they didn't want to show up the referees, so if they could find any way to reinforce what they were saying. I personally, and this is my controversial opinion that nobody agrees with, I don't like any replays. I don't like it. Just go with the human officials and move on with your life. But that's not the way the wind is blowing in sports, and they keep going to replays, and it just seems to me like a roaring waste of time. As technology is advanced, you know, I, I almost wonder sometimes if there's any way, you know, that you can get rid of the human element altogether and just have, like in tennis, you know, robots call the game. But somehow. I don't think you want that, though. As much as I don't like referees, I don't think you actually want it called to the letter of the law. You certainly don't in a sport like baseball or football, for that matter, where, listen, you can call in football, you can call holding, pass interference, you can call all those on every play if you were actually That's true. refereeing to the letter of the law. You know what I mean? Like a, if you've seen the actual strike zone, strike zone in baseball, if an umpire called it exactly as the strike zone called for, it would be games just, would last seven it, hours. Yeah, uh, it'd just be terrible. Yeah. yeah. So it's the the human element, as frustrating as it is, you like it because you want it to kind of fit within the flow of the game. I'm sure you could call, especially in a game with Rudy Gobert, right? You could probably call a foul down low with what they're doing to Rudy every single play. And maybe that would make Jazz fans happy, but it would make a game so hard to watch. So I don't know. I, I'd almost prefer just go with the human element and stay with it and we'll gripe about the bad calls, but games will last 15 minutes less and, you know, who knows what the replays are going to show anyway. That's to me what, what replay, you know, I understand what, 
they they want to try to get it right. But the bottom line is they're they're still missing calls with replay. Yep. And like to your point, they're it really is t- detracting from the experience. The people in the stands, you know, you sit there and wait. Uh, they go to commercial. You know, all that stuff. It just is. It it definitely does break up the rhythm of the game. Oh, big time. I mean, even just us sitting right here when they go, oh, they're going to go well, look at it. they reviewed something like with two seconds left in that game, in a 41-point game. So <laughs> Come on. I, at that point, too, there's got to be something like, okay, we can probably let one point go here. It's not going to. Everybody's going to be we'll okay. We'll be fine. I, I even don't like the, the two-minute report where they admit when they're wrong about stuff. It's like just at least make people believe that you think you were right and move on. Yeah. You know, it's, but I, like I said, nobody else besides me has that opinion. So I'm probably extraordinarily wrong, but I just don't like replay, replay period. Well, what it does fit, your narrative fits the idea that the game's unpredictable. You know, shots are either going to go in or not. You can't foretell that. You kind of see as it happens, and that's what refereeing used to be. There used to be no repercussion. Guy made a call, and you had to just play play on, and – I do think, you know, to your point, from an entertaining, an entertainment standpoint, that they could certainly um, get rid of the replay and probably have a better entertaining product. Now, what I what I am in favor of, and it's something I know you've talked about before, stand them up in front of the media and make them answer questions. I'm all for that. After the game, if there's some controversial calls, and I know we get pool reporters occasionally if there's something real controversial, but, you know, who was it, Kenny Mauer tonight? And I thought tonight's game was officiated fine, by the way. That obviously didn't matter one bit. But, you know, make the, the head referee and the crew take a couple of questions every single night. Why'd you call this? Why'd you call that? What'd you think of this? What'd you think of that? I don't see any problem with that. I just I just don't like replay. Well, I mean, there there's no doubt, especially, I mean, you bring up Ken's name. I mean, Ken likes he's he's part he likes to be part of the show, you know? Uh-huh. I, and that's the hard part for me about officials is they, they want to come out there and you know, wear their number and, you know, say how many Final Fours or finals they've co- they've officiated in. But, you know, they can make calls and do whatever they want and slide out the back door. Meanwhile, coach, you know, GM, players are all held to this crazy, um, you know, standard where they got to go talk. So I agree with you. If, if nothing else, let's get them in front of a mic. And, you know, the NBA will tell you, well, they hold their officials accountable behind the scenes and they review all the games with them. But th- th- it's way different than – it happening in public. Well, and we have the the proof that, okay, you hold them accountable behind the scenes and you also cover for them out right. in front of everyone. Right. Or find anybody for talking about it. Yeah, them. exactly. Yeah, it's it, it's a weird thing. It, it certainly is. Jeez, you know, I like these. Uh, we got off on a little random tangent in our basically second segment of the post game because, you know, the Cavs are really not interesting, and the game was really not close tonight. So why not have a in-depth philosophical replay or referee? We went all over the place there. It was good. It felt good. Anything else, Coach Snyder uh, talked about stand out to you there? He was, you know, even though the Jazz played great, he talked about rotations, and you know, I, I think he was a little irritated at times. They got backdoored. You know, he called timeout immediately after Dean Wade got a backdoor. Um, you know, the way the Jazz play, they really don't want to get up and pressure. Um, and, you know, th- there's a definite technique of, of guarding without, you know, selling out and giving up a backdoor. And if he does get backdoor, somebody gets backdoor, the, the help rotation's got to come over. So just things like that I thought was interesting, even in a, in a game where the Jazz uh, played really well and, and beat the stuff and out of 
the Cavaliers, there's still room for improvement. And then Coach Snyder happy uh, about something you was your key to the second half, not to let up. He he said sometimes there's a temptation to let up in games like that, and happy his squad did not. You're always measuring your team, and you're always trying to use history and data and uh, and data points to to really kind of steer your decision makings making and your feeling about your team. And Quinn's got to feel good tonight after watching his team come out. Uh, there was no drop off, and the guys kept the pedal to the metal, you know, and got out of the game. Got his got got the subs in um, with a ton of time. I think Coach has got to be really happy about that. want to remind you about our friends at Mark Miller Subaru, Utah's only negotiation-free Subaru retailer. Your final tonight, the Jazz smashed the Cavs 114-75. to We'll get you sound from the players coming up next right here on the Jazz Radio Network. Jazz game night pregame. Post game show here on the Jazz Radio Network, brought to you by Mark Miller Subaru, Utah's only negotiation free Subaru retailer. Proud to be the official Subaru partner of the Utah Jazz. Learn more at markmillersubaru.com. Jake Scott, coach Tim Lacombe, Jazz smashed the Cavs tonight, 114 to 75. A game they actually led at one point by 41 points. Let's get a look at your points in the paint tonight, brought to you by Serta Pro Painters. Call 1 800 Go Serta or visit certapro.com. That's Serta with a C. We do painting, you do life. As I click on the wrong button here, I'm on the struggle bus tonight here, Tim. All right, points in the paint. You want to take a stab at this one? Jazz crushed them. No, not Woo! crushed. They did uh, outscore them in the paint, but not by much. 36 to 34. All right, I took a stab. I would have thought I, I would have thought the Jazz were much more effective in the paint uh, tonight than they were. But, I mean, <laughs> they beat a team by, I mean, 30... Do the math. Don't do math on air. Uh, yeah, 40 points, whatever it is. 114 to 75. 114, 75. Outscored them by two in points in the paint. By two, yeah. So the points in the paint stat has been an interesting one to track this year if you're new to the broadcast because uh, we never – it's not one of those things that's pretty obvious when you're watching it in – I got to start watching it during the game so I can cheat. It's not. It's not one of the. I. I. I think the. I think that stat used to be more obvious. I think you could still learn something from that stat following it every single night. What kind of game it was. I mean, the Jazz in the 30s and points in the paint is is somewhat odd, and so they had it going uh, from outside, and they did. They hit 19 three pointers tonight. In fact, let's do the three point takeover. They were 19 of 41, 46 percent. Donovan Mitchell was four of seven. Mike Conley, three for five. Bogdanovich, one for two. Royce, one for two. George Niang, three for five coming in off the bench. Uh, let's see here. Joe Ingles, two for three. Uh, Oni, two for three. Thomas, one for three. Clarkson, one for seven. Uh, so, you know, the Jazz have that three going. And uh, it's it's really, it, <laughs> when they do, it doesn't matter really uh, what else is going. Uh, Three-point takeover sponsored by Mountain America Credit Union, helping members achieve their financial dreams. For more than 80 years and you know it's weird uh, they score 19 and you go only 19 that's yeah, strange it, it is weird what what hype and expectation will do to you um uh, i've talked a lot about that this year but two games in a row with 19 uh 19 against memphis on on saturday and 19 tonight against the Cavs. so certainly those the three-point shot is the differentiator for this jazz team on the offensive side 
Uh, and when you see the ball move like it did tonight, that's going to be the result. Yeah, and it's it's a thing of beauty with this Jazz team for sure. Yeah, when they're playing when they're playing their best basketball, they're guarding, they're getting out and running, and they're taking a ton of threes and making a ton of threes. All right, let's get some player sound rolling. Let's go down to the media room where Rudy Gobert is addressing the media. Hey, Rudy. First question will be Chris and Kenny, Jazz TV. Can't see. Hey, Rudy, when you guys get such a big lead, it's easy to let up mentally, but you guys didn't do that. Did you have conversations about that, or how do you keep the pedal down through such big leads? I think uh, regardless of the score, you know, regardless if you're up, uh, if you're down, we we really want to keep getting better every single, you know, minute on the court. And regardless if it's, you know, end of the game, early in the game, we want to play defense and uh, and, and we want to share the ball offensively and, and shoot the ball. And, you know, tonight I think was probably one of our best game in terms of con- consistency defensively. I think, you know, every single minute on the court, everyone that came in was uh, was locked in defensively. So it was big. Next up, Andy Larson, Salt Lake Tribune. Rudy, it's the second lowest uh, point total for any team this year uh, that you guys allowed. I mean, you guys usually have a lot of really good defensive nights, but this one was a great one. What was the difference between pretty good and great in this instance? I think our communication was great from the beginning. You know, um, we really didn't let them get comfortable. You know, they have a lot of guys that can, you know, uh, that can re- that can score a lot of points if they get comfortable. And you know, we really did a great job protecting the paint, and uh, and also we didn't give them any transition points. You know, or maybe a few, but. We did a great job running back and uh, set our defense. And, uh, you know, when you when you have to play against our half-court defense, it's a different game. Matt Coles, AP. Rudy, it seems like you've elevated your game since the All-Star break. What do you think that you've improved the most in these last uh, eight, nine games? I think I'm getting more and more comfortable. You know, um, obviously, offensively, you know, my teammates are doing a uh, a great job looking for me even more and uh and it's on me to you know to to be a better playmaker and then finisher around the rim for my team and you know uh, i i put a lot of work in every day to to get better and uh, and i know that you know in the playoff it's going to be huge for me to to be dominant out there and obviously defensively you know i think uh you know i keep raising my level and try to keep raising the team level defensively every single day to you know when it's when it's playoff time uh, for us to be at our best defensively that's it. Thank you, Rudy. There you go. That's Rudy Gobert. And Rudy, uh, tonight was terrific. Uh, he had 18 points, 17 rebounds, four block shots. He even had a couple of steals. I didn't, they had that AP writer ask the question. I didn't love his question where he said, Rudy, you've gotten better since the All-Star break. I think Rudy has been consistently awesome all year long. But I loved Rudy's answer. I thought Rudy's answer was amazing. And he talked about how he's he's happy his teammates are looking for him and he's trying to finish better at the rim. And and uh, I take back my thoughts about the question because I think he has gotten better at that in recent games where he's been much more strong around the rim and trying to to finish and draw that foul. And that has been uh, somewhat noticeably different. So I wonder, you know, at the break, obviously the coaches take opportunities to uh, I'm sure go over the first half of the season and find obviously strengths and then things that they want to challenge guys to be better at. And I have zero, you know, insight to what was talked about, but from watching this, I, I really do believe that 
Um, Donovan was probably asked to be a little bit more consistent throughout the entire game. You know, we watched those games where Donovan would really defer or um, or almost press too hard in the first quarter, um, but always kind of resolve things by the end of the game. And what we're seeing now is a, a for, with Donovan is a way more consistent stretch throughout. Rudy, like you said, I, I guarantee you that finishing and really focusing on um, being stronger with the basketball and finishing around the rim was would have to be one. And I agree with you. I think it's been almost like the last two weeks that we've really seen an improvement. We've gone are the days of the you know the kind of the flip shots and things like that. Everything is really finished high and strong. And so uh, those those are things that again, the staff does a great job. The players do a great job of receiving the information and trying to find ways to improve. Here's a stat from uh, Andy Larson of the Tribune who dug this one up. Said Rudy Gobert tonight had an on-court defensive rating of 67. Wow, that is insane. <laughs> it really so is good. insane. So if he's out there for 100 possessions, the other team will have a 67 points. Uh, that's pretty crazy. Rudy was a plus 38 tonight in the plus-minus. He and Conley both plus 38. But those two play together. I mean, that's why their their plus-minus numbers are so good because they're both out there at the same time. And Rudy, his plus-minus is so good because, well, the other team can't score. Yeah, And one thing I want to point out about the first thing that, that Rudy talked about about the team tonight, what they did well, and, and I think we talk a lot about offense and spacing, right? Um, you got to have good spacing. you got to be willing to pass it. In this situation tonight, Rudy, the very first thing they talked about, how would you feel like the team played? You know what? Our defense was really good. We started really early, and we communicated. I think that's the key to this team. On the defensive end is communication, and everybody is certainly, you know, the effort is the given. But that communication is the X factor. Seems like that's what Rudy always goes to when he's asked about the defense, either good or bad. It seems like he brings up the communication, either was lacking that night or, or in tonight's case was good. Yep, it's just a it, it's a great trait that that championship teams develop and have. And um, the defensive end is really important. And you got to have everybody on the same page, and that's the way you do it. You, you communicate and you talk to each other. All right, let's get some more player sound. Let's go back down and hear from Donovan Mitchell. Hey, Donovan, we'll get started with Sarah Todd, Desert News. Sounds good. Hey, Donna, I know, I know that it was a small moment in the game and it probably didn't matter to the larger scheme of things, but when you get a coach's challenge on a play like the one where you strip the ball and you know it's clean, what I mean, is that vindication? How sweet is that moment? And what, like, the fact that Quinn's willing to take that time out and risk it for that? Uh, I mean, you know, I just tried to make the play on the ball. And, you know, I told him, I said, you can take it if you want to, if you don't. You know, I think I had, like, no fouls at that point. So I wasn't, you know, I wasn't too worried about if they were shooting free throws. But, you know, it definitely was good to feel like I was right. I knew I hit the ball, but sometimes referees just make mistakes, you know, at the end of the day. But, you know, if I I guess if it was, like, a closer situation or late game, uh, it might have been a different emotion, you know. I might have been a little even more excited. But, you know, um, I think for me, just for all of us, I think you know when you when you know you don't do something and you and you get that challenge, I think it's a it's definitely a good feeling for sure. Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. Don, obviously the priority remains, you know, not losing a big lead, you know, that you guys picked up. But once the advantage gets to a certain point, how does the game shift in terms of you know trying to get guys going who are maybe struggling or trying to develop? you know, certain habits or work on certain things as the game goes along? Yeah, I think, 
you know, the biggest thing is when you're up by that much, it's tough to stay locked in, you know, and we've been culprits of doing that a few times uh, between this year, last year. Um, we've seen it, you know, I think for us is how do we continue to stay, you know, locked in. And I think the biggest thing is offensively, it is what it is. But I think the biggest thing is the defensive end. You know, there was a stretch where I think it was Mike got back, Royce did, and then I did, you know, three mental errors. And I think that's really where our mind has to stay locked in on that point, you know, and it can't happen. And we fixed it. We cleaned it up. Now, don't get me wrong. We had plenty of really good defensive possessions, but, you know, those, the little ones, you know, and they're, they're, they're going to happen, but, you know, if we can control those and put an emphasis on it, that way it's still in the forefront of our, our brains. Um, I think that's something that we really put emphasis on when we're up by, when we have leads like that. Um, and then, you know, as far as guys, you know, shooting, shooting out of slumps or whatever, just, just let it fly, you know, getting guys the ball in situations and letting them, letting them attack, you know, not really putting too much pressure on them, I think is the biggest thing. Chris and Kenny, Jazz TV. Coach mentioned the amount of work that you put into your craft, the film sessions with Watt. What does that look like, that process, the routine, you know, kind of after like a night like tonight and let's say before you, you go to Memphis? Sorry, say that again. Sorry, I, I zoned out for a quick second. Sorry. <laughs> well, Coach was talking about just the amount of work you put into your craft and the film sessions with Jeff Watt, Watkinson. Um, I'm just curious what that routine for you looks like, like after a game like tonight, you know, are you watching breaking down film and then before the next one? Yeah, you know, it's actually, uh, it's been a lot of uh, KD or Keon um, pregame, every game uh, we're in there, um, just going over different things, you know, um, for him to come in and, you know, not be a first year coach, you know, coming in there and really teach me things that he's seen, you know, throughout the league and his time, but also for me, I've always been like that in college, you know, watching film. I think film is the biggest way, you know, when you can't necessarily always get the physical reps, you know, when you play as, when you have a shortened season, when you got to rest your body, I think the mental things of understanding how teams are going to guard me, understanding what's going to be open, you know, manipulating the situations to, to get anything you want as far as a, a basket. If you want to get a shot, if you want to get, you know, boy on a shot, if you want to get Mike a shot. And, you know, and it helps when you have not only the coaches, but when you have, Mike, Joe, you know, two guys who handle the ball, who I look at and, and ask questions to and just watch. Um, but for me, it's been consistent film work. You know, I'm at the house watching, you know, basketball 24 uh, seven. Joe makes fun of me for it, but like, that's, that's all I do. Um, even when I'm playing video games, uh, there's always a TV, you know, or something to scream on it or something, whether it's our game or, you know, whoever we're playing, whoever we be playing or whoever, just any type of NBA game, just to find habits and just to find ways to embed myself and be the best player I can be, which ultimately uh, helped the team. Next up, Ben Anderson, KSLSports.com. So, Donovan, we've talked a lot about your first quarters recently, and over the last five games, I think you're a top five scorer in the NBA in first quarters. On the other hand, for the season, you're like 72nd in scoring in the fourth, and that's a major flip from last year. Is that good? I mean, do, do you like that you don't have that much pressure to score late? Uh, yeah, I think, you know, that's a crazy stat. <laughs> no, that's, a, that's a good one. Um, you know, for me, it's not always about, like I said, my job is to, you know, some nights is go out there and try and score. Sometimes it's, you know, it's, it's impacting the game in different ways. I've had bad shooting nights. I've had nights where I don't have to shoot, but when you have as much shooting as we do, teams start to kind of take the ball out of my hands and I find guys, you know, trusting my teammates. That's been a big development in my career and, and just being able to find those reads. And that goes back into what I was telling Kristen 
with the film, you know, understanding that, okay, the first three chords are going to go like this. And then this is what's going to happen in the fourth. The game's going to slow down. There's going to be certain situations. I got to be able to find ways to manipulate them to get a shot, a pass or whatever, who's going to be open in what situation. Um, fortunately this year, we really haven't had many close games. You know, I think that's, that's also been a part of it too, um, where we haven't had situations where I've, you know, you've seen it through my career where I've had the ball, you know, a bunch, you know, and also on top of that, you got to give credit to the guys we have, whether it's Mike, Joe, Boyan, Rudy, Royce, like we got guys out there that can take the pressure off myself and it's, and I have no problem, you know, doing that. And, you know, they trust me just like I trust them. And it's been, it's really easy when you just be able to have so many options out there. So I guess you can equate that to that, but I don't really, I'm not really um, worried about that. If that makes sense. Last question, Andy Larson, Salt Lake Tribune. John, when you're sitting at the end of the game, kind of watching the fourth quarter, are you, I know you're in kind of supportive teammate mode, but are you kind of like a coach on the sideline there a little bit? Are you watching to see, you know, who's doing well with their minutes, even, you know, in their limited time as, as young players? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is how can I help? You know, I think, you know, for me, you know, a guy I've talked to a lot about, is, 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 talked a lot with is Trent. You know, he's a guy that, you know, just kind of teaching them certain angles, certain finishes, certain ways to get, people involved, you know, in the biggest way, and, and my mom being a teacher, she always told me, you know, when you teach someone, when you verbally speak something, you're also helping yourself develop too, you know? So for me, I'm kind of telling them certain situations. So not only am I helping them, but I'm helping, you know, myself as far as seeing the game as well from a different vantage point, you know, and understanding that these guys look to me and I'm, I'm out there to just to be a resource, you know, not just to support, but to go out there and just say, Hey, this is what you see here. This is what coach wants. Um, this is what coach would like to see here. This is our scheme here, whether it's Trent, JB, Mie, Matt Thomas, George, like whoever it may be, um, uh, Eli, like they've done a great job. You know, we've been in a few of those situations where they've got a lot of minutes uh, re recently. Um, and I'm just doing what was what was done with me. You know, uh, I give a huge credit to Rodney, you know, Rodney Hood, who did that for me, you know, throughout my whole entire rookie season. Um, and, you know, I'm just trying to, you know, continue to, to, to show that like, I, I'm here for these guys if they need anything um, uh, as far as advice throughout the game. But, also being able to see things, like I said, that'll help myself, you know, when I get into the game as well. Thank you, Donovan. There you go. Donovan Mitchell. Donovan, very good tonight, doing most of his damage in the first half, of course, because this game was over by halftime. But he had 19 points, 7 of 14 shooting, 4 of 7 from 3. And uh, been through a kind of a crazy stat of Donovan Mitchell about his first quarter as opposed to fourth quarter. You know, and Donovan alluded to this, and I think Ben would too, that none of these games are close in the fourth quarter. You know, Donovan doesn't need to go out there and, and have these big score punching nights. In fact, tonight that even playing, I don't think he didn't, he didn't play at all in the fourth quarter. Right. And think about, you know, a handful of games where they, no, he didn't play in the fourth. Yeah. Uh, the handful of games that they actually let teams come back, you know, and kind of had to actually like the first Memphis game, yeah, right. Friday. Mm -hmm. um, if it weren't for a couple of those, you know, they really have not had a whole lot of, you know, clutch time uh, in any of these games because they've all been pretty decided by by the time the fourth quarter rolled around. Um, I love Donovan talking about the teammates, um, you know, Rodney Hood taking him under his wing, him passing it along. You know, that's really how a culture and an organization, you know, the culture within an organization flourishes is, you know, older guys teach young guys and then the young guys get older and they teach the new young guys and um, that's, that is definitely a recipe for success. By the way, Baylor is going to beat Arkansas. 
Uh, it's 81 to 70 with 9.3 seconds left to go. So Baylor is going to join the Houston Cougars in the final four with win over Arkansas. Just so uh, a quick update there. I uh, want to remind you about our friends, Mark Miller, Subaru, Utah's only negotiation free Subaru retailer. We'll get you more player sound coming up next. Your final score, Jazz beat the Cavs tonight, 114 to 75, right here on the Jazz Radio Network. Jazz game night post game show here on the Jazz Radio Network. I almost said pre again. What is the matter with me? Jazz win tonight. They beat the Cavaliers 114 to 75. Post game brought to you by our friends at Mark Miller Subaru, Utah's only negotiation free Subaru retailer. Proud to be the official Subaru partner of the Utah Jazz. Learn more at MarkMillerSubaru.com. Uh, let's, uh, should we get to the Master of the Glass tonight? Brought to you by Safe Light Auto Glass. Uh, they're here for another great year of basketball. Proud to be the preferred auto glass partner of the Utah Jazz. Safe Light Auto Glass is also proud to present this year's Master of the Glass Rebound program. At the end of the regular season, Safe Light will donate $5 to the United Way of Utah for each rebound secured by this year's team rebound leader. Tim, tonight's Master of the Glass. Rudy Gobert. Rudy Gobert. 17 rebounds tonight for Rudy. And actually, Master of the Glass was not close tonight. He dominated the boards. He dominated. There, we looked at it at halftime, and there was no catching him. There's no way that anybody caught him. Um, so I love when Rudy has a big board night because um, I know he loves to rebound. Uh, so to see those first two numbers of 18 and 17, how good is this guy? Really, how awesome. good is he? So good. Uh, the next highest rebounder tonight was Jordan Clarkson, who had six. And, yeah, so he, had, he, he hit he, his number. He hit his number, yeah, and then two. So Jordan Clarkson had six boards, but Rudy, your master of the glass tonight, he had four offensive rebounds. The Jazz out-rebounded uh, the Cavs tonight, 55-40, which is no surprise because the Cavs had no size, no size whatsoever. They had uh, uh, Hartenstein, and that was about it. And he gave it his all. But <laughs> he had 14 rebounds himself, though. I, I should give him credit. He also had seven assists. How about that? I th- and I'm, I don't mean this is a slight to Isaiah at all. Um, but they may have done better with Frankenstein in the middle because <laughs> he's bigger and meaner. It's true. He is bigger and meaner. Yeah, and I don't know. He'd probably fell out pretty early, but I think he would have given him a better chance against Rudy. All right, let's get some more player sound. Let's go back to the media room and hear from George Nying. All right, we'll start with Sarah Todd, Deseret News. Hey, George. Uh, I know that you talked about how excited you were about Matt coming over, but just being on the court with him and, you know, you guys passing the ball to each other, running up and down. How nice is that? Yeah, as you can see from the smile on my face, it's like old times. We had a lot of good memories at Iowa State. And, uh, like I said before, I think it's just so unique and cool that, you know, you can live out a dream that you once talked about with one of your good friends in college, in college, about what it's like to be at the next level. And we get to, uh, not to sound too mushy, but we get to do it together on, on the same team. Um it's a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. It was great to be back out there um, with Matt and, and see him put the ball in, in the hoop, put the orange thing in the orange thing. Next up, Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. Hey, George, once you guys get up by as much as you were and, you know, you go from playing with kind of the rotation guys to being kind of the anchor point with the young guys in the fourth quarter, how does the focus shift? Like what kind of things are you working on? What kind of things are you telling them as they're getting some experience playing in the game? 
Uh, you know, I think the biggest thing for me is just continuing to play the right way, whether that's me being involved more in actions or pick and roll or post-ups, just still playing the right way, you know, making the right reads and defending. Coach is always preaching about defending. So the biggest thing is just when I'm out there with them is lead by example uh, and do the right things. Uh, I think that that's really all I'm really focused on is continue to play the right way no matter what the score is. Brian Miller, KSL. Hey, George, can you kind of feel when teams get intimidated, per se, by Rudy? <laughs> uh, for sure. When, you know, they're not taking shots at the rim or they're taking long contested twos. Um, I don't know what word you'd use it, but the gravity that Rudy has as a defender with, you know, keeping guys out of the paint is uh, – one that I, is like one I've never seen, uh, you know, it's realistically the way we play defense is, you know, if your guy does beat you, you know, continue to stay on his hip and good luck, you know, cause I mean, Rudy's seven, two, he's a skilled shot blocker. He's not just big, but you know, he's skilled at what he does and he has a great ability if he's not going to block the shot to just make guys miss. So um, there's a reason why he's a two-time defensive player of the year. And with everything that's being said, he should be the three-time defensive player of the year. Um, just putting that out there. No, I don't think anybody affects the game more defensively than Rudy does. And that's just a fact. All right. Next up, Kristen Kenny, Just TV. Face in Memphis for the third time in six days in Memphis. Uh, what do you expect this time around? Uh, Dogfight. Uh, you know, Nothing less than that. Uh, Memphis is a super tough team uh, and they have a lot of skilled guys and they're not happy that they came out here and dropped two against us. So we're definitely going to get their best bet and their best fight. And, uh, you know, we're going to have to be ready for it. Um, I think it's huge for our growth to get out there and, and get that game. Um, obviously, it's going to be a tough one. But, you know, the way we started this season, we're really just focused on getting a little bit better each day. Last question, Andy Larson, Salt Lake Tribune. George, you're now seasoned veteran, so I'm going to ask you about the young guys. And in particular, you know, you're playing with Trent, you're playing with Eliza, you're playing with Jarrell Brantley. What do you notice from those guys and their minutes so far? And, and kind of what are you excited about with, with them? Um, you know, I think the biggest thing uh, that I'm excited for them is you kind of see a little bit of your journey in that, you know, building brick by brick with, you know, every five to 10 minute stint that they get and the stuff that you see them work as working endless hours on in pickup when they play three on three or four on four and in practice and when their workouts and you get to see that implemented um, in their game when they're out there. And uh, there's a quote, you know, Jeff Van Gundy spoke to my college team one time and told me, you know, when you find like real happiness in the game is when you can actually be happy for someone else's success. And sometimes I catch myself acting like a silly schoolgirl jumping up and down when they're making threes and, you know, doing the moves that they've worked on. And that's the best part is because I know what it was like to grind and get to that point and work hard and to get your opportunity and to see those guys have that success and see the stuff that they work hard on work is like uh, thrilling. You know, it's thrilling for me because I'm happy for them because I I've been in their shoes and I know how much work they put in. So to see the ball go in for them, makes me uh, really happy and especially when they play well that's it thank you george george niang who had a, a nice game tonight coming in off the bench uh george had nine points three boards and assist he was plus 22 in the plus minus i thought what he said right there was really fascinating 
some advice from uh, Jeff Van Gundy. When you're comfortable with who you are in your game, you can truly cheer for others, and that's probably true uh, across a lot of things in life, I'm guessing, but uh, interesting. And and George is a great teammate. He's always the, that guy up off the bench hooting and hollering, and I like his game with, uh, with the younger players because actually George gets to be a little bit more than the shoot-when-you're-open guy, and you get to see a little bit more of what George gets, uh, what George can do. And this year, I thought his defense is what's really taken the next level. I mean, I'm not sure he's ever going to be Gary Payton out there, but you know he's he's turned into a serviceable certainly defender. Yeah, he he does not does not give up the blow by like before. I think he's really really understanding spacing and where to be. Um, you know if you can, if you can react on the airtime of the ball as the as the ball's moving from place to place, and you're a disciplined defender um, that's going to move. You know in accordance to the ball you're always going to be able to have a chance to be in the right place. And that's what I'm seeing with George this year is I think he has a, a way better understanding. And then, you know, to be able to to have that luxury to have Rudy playing on the floor with you and knowing if you do mess something up, more than likely the guy's just going to dribble out and, and kind of reset or Rudy's going to block the shot or, or change the shot. Um, but I'm with you. I think, you know, the Jazz have done a great job putting a really talented team together. But I, I am very, very impressed with the type of people. And there's no, um, you know, no real surprise that this team's so unselfish because we hear them every night talk. And a guy like, uh, again, like George, who is vital to this team, um, but totally understands what his worth is, what his value is. And he doesn't deviate from that much. And that's what makes a, a player really well. And that's what makes, that, that's what makes a player really good and a team uh, have a chance to do really special things. I know I say this over and over again about players like uh, like Royce and and Joe Ingles and and George Niang is is probably one of the latest examples. But God, I love guys who play their way onto the roster and then play hard and play their way into a role and make themselves, uh, you know, indispensable in a sense and make it so you can't take them off the floor. I mean, George has a has a nice role on this team, and they would. They would miss him greatly if he weren't in that role, and I give him a ton of credit because it's really hard to do. How good a job has this this uh, front office done in what you're just talking about? You know, identifying people that fit with certain skill sets, really using the coaches to develop the skill sets. But I mean, George obviously was a fringe guy coming out. Royce certainly was a fringe guy. Uh, we talked about Joe Ingles and his plight. Um, you know, they, they made a move and really rescued Jordan Clarkson from the scrap heap. I mean, he would have been stuck in this mess that we watched tonight. So um, real good foresight, not only, you know, talent, but how all that talent fits together. Yep. All right, let's get some more player sound. Let's go back down to the media room and hear from Mike Conley. We'll get started with Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. Hey, Mike. So just for starters, just wondering after uh, the first half that you had, obviously you came out firing in the second half and you were a little more efficient. What changed for you after halftime? Well, you know, I, I thought uh, after the half, I just made it a point to try to get the ball and try to be more aggressive and, and look to make plays. I thought, you know, I can, I can get kind of lost out there. And then, you know, in the flow of the game, we got so many guys that can make plays and handle the ball that um, you miss a few shots, you know, it can, uh, you know, you can get a little bit passive. So I think I got to that point. Um, and then third quarter, I just, you know, coach, coach drew up a couple plays and, you know, I took the initiative and uh, got a little bit more, um, you know, ball heavy and made plays and uh, looked to score. 
Kristen Kenny, Joss TV. Despite a big lead, you guys didn't let up mentally. Is that maturity, experience, or what do you attribute that to? Well, I think it has a lot of uh, a lot of things, but I think our coaches, uh, especially Coach Quinn, you know, just pushing us at every timeout, pushing us at every uh, halftime of games like this to continue to 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 try to be perfect, to try to be great. Um, in order to do that, you have to be consistent, and uh, and and we've kind of taken that and run with it. And tonight, we were able to accomplish that for four quarters because um, we've had games where we've we've had leads and, and let it slip away. So. You know, I'm proud of our guys to, you know, to be able to take what coaches said, coaches said, and apply it to the games, and um, and take pride in, in in continuing to to play jazz basketball regardless of the league. Ben Anderson, KSLSports.com. Mike, you guys tied the franchise record now for home wins uh, in a row with 20 in a row. How does this compare to a seasons past when you've had fans in the arena? and B, what it was like when you were in Grind City. Like, what's it like to have that confidence when you're playing at home? Um, it's a special feeling, honestly. You know, when you're able to know coming into a building uh, like like we have here in Vivint, that, you know, we have an advantage. We always feel like that. Even with, you know, the stands not completely full, we feel like we, you know, still have some of the best fans in the, in, in the world. So, um, you know, you can imagine when it's, when it's packed and when it's full. I mean, it was similar – in Memphis, when we were, you know, we were rolling those years, um, you know, our fans were all over the place and we were just, you know, it was a tough place to come play and we knew it. Um, you know, every time somebody left that building, they were like, man, you know, we hate playing you guys. We hate playing in the, in the grindhouse. And I feel like that's what, you know, we're trying to build here and we're continuing to, you know, take pride in, in coming in every day, suiting up in front of our home fans. Last question, follow up from Kristen Kenny. Uh, Mike, Quinn mentioned just the amount of work that Donovan puts into his craft, which we've talked about this before, but, you know, and he was saying at his house, he's, wa he's watching basketball 24-7 with all of his monitors. Um, can you just, what is that like? I mean, how many monitors does this guy have? Is he constantly talking about basketball with you guys? I mean, just, just the amount of focus that he has on the game. Yeah, uh, he's unbelievable. He's a student of, student of the game, honestly. He probably watches, you know, more basketball than I've seen from anybody. Like, I mean, that, and that's across the board. He's watching college to NBA. I mean, the whole league pass. He's watching every game that's going on. So um, he's always learning. He's always, you know, he's just a fan. He's a kid and loves loves to 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 watch uh, watch the game and learn from it. So I think it's, he's applying it to his game. He's applying the things he's learning and uh, he's working for it. Thanks, Mike. All right, there you go, Mike Conley. Mike tonight, uh, 18 points go along with uh, five assists. Mike was five of nine from the field, three of five from three. And, you know, things just run smoother when Mike Conley's on the floor is something I've certainly noticed this year. And, you know, I know Mike missed uh, uh, Saturday's game against uh, Memphis and they just hammered him. But it seems like that offense certainly uh, looks, looks the way it's supposed to when Mike's at the helm. It's such a luxury to have Mike out there with Donovan, with Jordan, with Joe, uh, having multiple guys that can, you know, create, and, and certainly Mike's so good in pick and roll. He's really developed uh, a, a nice connection with Rudy. Uh, and then he's always so willing when he gets the ball, you know, in the pick and roll. If the defense commits or makes a mistake, he's going to punish, you know, on a kickout. 
Um, I, I thought, you know, we talked about Joe being really consistent, but I thought like tonight that was a that was a perfect Mike Conley night because he was efficient. And he, he like he said, um, he he felt like he wanted to be a little more aggressive in the second half. He certainly was that. And I feel like, um, you know, Mike is they've got Mike in a good place. Um, he he's not playing those back to backs. He's getting the rest he needs. But he but I thought he was spectacular tonight. No doubt. All right, let's get to our stat nuggets tonight from our good friend Tyson Ewing. Follow him on Twitter at TyEwing2. Of course, he does stats for the television broadcast on AT&T Sportsnet, and he's nice enough to share a few with us after the game uh, for the postgame show. You ready to roll? Let's rip. Uh, This is Utah's 20th straight home win that ties the franchise record for most consecutive wins at home. The Jazz will go a full three months, January, February, and March, without a single loss at home. Uh, and this was uh, the Jazz' eighth wire-to-wire victory of the season. It's another, you know, thing that really good teams do is they take advantage of the advantage of playing at home. And this team has really gotten comfortable playing at home. I, I think it does help to have fans here. Um, you know, it, it's different for a lot of these teams coming in, and and I think our guys feed off it too. A little more atmosphere. I mean, there's still not a ton of fans here. I haven't seen the official number. It's I think it's in the five thousand somewhere in that neighborhood, but. Got to give the fans a lot of credit. They certainly create an atmosphere, even though it's uh, fewer than the normal, you know, 18,000 and change. All right, uh, get the uh, these. Uh, tonight marks the 25th game of the season. The Jazz have led by at least 20 points. It's also the fifth straight game it's happened. It's marked the ninth game this season. The Jazz have led by at least 30, also the third in the last four games. And this is the second game this season. The Jazz have led by at least 40 they took their longest lead of the season of 41 late into the fourth quarter. It's it's staggering when you roll through those numbers. Um, to lead a game period, you know, an NBA game by 20, but to do that now four games in a row, um, holy cow. Pretty that's, amazing. That's good, good basketball. The Jazz are 27-0 this season when they have runs of at least 10-0 uh, runs. Uh, yet again, uh, they had two such runs this game, 17-0 to end the third an 11-0 run late in the fourth. And they had one set up early, um, missed a shot to, to get, they would have had three. Yep. Uh, the Jazz allowed just 75 points tonight. This is the fewest points allowed in a game since December 4th, 2017, when Washington scored 69. That's 258 games. It's amazing. Cleveland scored the second fewest points of the season tonight. The only uh, time a team scored fewer than 75 is when the Clippers scored just 73 in the game where they trailed Dallas by 50 at halftime, if you remember back to that December 2nd game. Mm, Totally remember. I remember that game when the Clippers were getting trounced by 50. Yeah, we were all going, what's going on in L.A.? Tonight marks the 16th time this season that the Jazz out-rebounded their opponents by double digits. Uh, through 46 games, the Jazz have already matched how many times they did it last season. Uh, this one, Tyson says, he says, here's a Coach Lacombe special. Yeah. All right. Uh, J- the Jazz assisted on 76% of their made shots tonight. That is the highest percentage, uh, percentage of shots assisted on a uh, win since March 27th of 2019, which was they had 80% in the game over the Lakers. And, and I know, you know, this goes way back, and it, it's like peeling a scab off. But David jumped on me. He's like, of course, if there's assists, you know, you're, that means you made a shot. But, but I really do think, like, that number is, is really um, telling. And I think that it's the way the Jazz play. You know, they're not going to 
they've got a couple of guys who are going to beat you off the bounce and can get shots, but the Jazz advantage is shooting. And anything you can do to start the blender, kick the ball, um, I love to see the number, like you said, 76% um, of those. I mean, that's that's just great. Utah had 51 bench points tonight. Uh, not only is it the fifth time they've had 50-plus points off the bench, uh, they did not have a single bench uh, play, bench player score in double figures and still had 51. Think wow. about that for a second. That is crazy. That's wild, 51 bench points. I mean, it wasn't long ago that we were like six. Oh, last year. year at the beginning of the year? We were talking single digits on the reg. It was brutal. Yeah, it was brutal. Jordan That's Clarkson true. changed all that. Yes, he did. Uh, Donovan Mitchell has scored 407 points over his last 14 games. That's the most points in a 14-game uh, stretch during a season since Carl Malone scored 425 from March to April of 1998. We're going to have a – I told you this already, but we're going to have two more statues out there when it's all said and we done. We might. Mike Conley scored 16 points in the third quarter. That is a season high for him uh, for points in a quarter. Uh, the Jazz have combined to score 10 or more in a quarter 93 times this season uh, through just 46 games. And uh, here's a rundown of how many times a player has scored at least 10 and a quarter the last five years. Uh, 2020, it's happened 121 times. 2019, 101 times, 99 times in 18, 100 times in 17, 80 times in 16. And uh, the last one, the Jazz are now 15 and 1 when George Niang hits two or, uh, excuse me, two or more threes in a game. 15 and 1. He made three tonight. Is that right? Uh, let me double check here. George tonight, three for five. That's right. Triplets in the minivan. In the minivan. There's another one to keep an eye on how many threes George has. When he has more than two, they win. Man, we've got so many, like, bellwether stats to keep track of. And we can then ring the bell or sound the horn or whatever we do to indicate that, hey, we've hit a threshold We here. should find a sounder and just don't tell David about it. Just play random sound effects during the broadcast. Like an air raid. Yeah, <laughs> right. Well, that <laughs> is a mysterious sound. And we're going <laughs> to check with Alex what that is. What do you think, Alex? Good idea? Drop something in there. Oh, I, David, that's the that's the Jordan Clarkson four rebounds uh, uh, air horn. I can't imagine that he would be very pleased with us. No, but it would be funny, Alex. You think we could pull it off? Uh, you know, it's it's possible. It's something to look into. I think. All right. You know, we'll see. We'll, we'll see what see. happens. Do you can... remember? You remember one of the first editions of Madden back in the day? Uh-huh. And a guy would get hurt, and the ambulance would come out onto the field. Do you remember that? I do remember that. Yes. And so you'd hear the sound. Maybe we could mix that in if somebody, you know, there's an injury in the league. Alex, think about it. Think about it. <laughs> Wrap your mind around that one, Alex. All right. Uh, want to remind you about our friends at Mark Miller Subaru, Utah's only negotiation-free Subaru retailer. Uh, learn more at markmillersubaru.com. 114-75 to is your final Jazz beat the Cavs. We'll get Coach Clum's final thoughts on this one coming up next on the Jazz Radio Network. Right side drive by Garland. Sees Gobert. Leaves. Just goes home. Now he's going to try to attack Gobert. Reverse side layup, spiked out of the air. Everybody tries it once and nobody lives through it. Here come the Jazz. Ingles for three. Pow! Rudy Gobert is a monster in the middle. Young boys and girls should not go there alone. 
Moms and dads, keep your young children away, because Monster Rudy will eat you alive. David Locke on the call right there. Your play of the game brought to you by Larry H. Miller dealerships by uh, for service, excuse me, sales and selection, LHMauto.com, driven by you. Jazz win tonight over the Cavs. They win big 114 to 75. Post game brought to you by our friends at Mark Miller Subaru, Utah's only negotiation free Subaru retailer. Jake Scott, Coach Tim Lacombe uh, with you. Uh, Jazz Coast tonight. Uh, they got. Uh, everybody pretty much got into the action scoring. Everybody played, everybody but Trent Forrest scored. Donovan Mitchell had 19 points, four assists, two boards. Mike Conley, 18 points, five assists. Rudy Gobert, 18 points, 17 rebounds, four block shots uh, from Rudy. And uh, the Jazz had 51 points coming in off the bench. This game was over uh, before halftime, and uh, pretty much everybody sat in the fourth quarter. For the Cleveland Cavaliers, they shot 35% from the field, just 21% from three. They were led by Colin Sexton's 20 points. Garland had 18, but a thorough domination uh, and dominating performance from the Utah Jazz tonight. It's totally what you expect uh, and what you'd hope for, and it doesn't always happen, but I think it's a sign uh, of the maturity and the focus and attention to detail uh, this Jazz team. The, the coaches did a great job, however they did it, to prepare them. Uh, and as a coach, you couldn't write, write, draw it up any better. Um, you you got your guys plenty of time. You you were able to execute a, you know a number of things that you wanted to do tonight, and then everybody got to sit down and watch the the bench guys get a whole quarter. And um, you know with games packed in the way they're packed in right now, that's another huge advantage. Is that you know they just got a little um, less wear and tear on the legs. Let's get some final thoughts from you, Coach Lacombe, before we turn the page to, uh, to get ready for the Grizzlies again. Well, I've got to, you know, I've really got to dig into the Grizzlies because I can't remember. Oh, wait, we played them. Just, okay, yeah, I got them. Yeah, show prep might not be as difficult Show prep's going to be a little easier. Um, <laughs> but, uh, no, it's a, it's a positive, major positive step in my mind. Um, you know, from the years that I was involved in basketball and coaching, and it, it, it's a whole nother type of challenge to get your your team to take a game like this and make some positive things out of it. I mean, the re, the reality of it is tonight I think everybody could have probably gone out on their own and been rogue and played however they wanted to and the Jazz would have still had the same outcome. But again, they they assisted. They made 19 threes. Rudy was, you know, we heard David's um, I love that call, you know, when he talks about Gobert land. And, and nobody needs to go near there. Uh, and Rudy showed that tonight. Uh, but, but I think that it really was for as, um, I guess, not entertaining uh, as the game was to the layperson. I think the, the coaches and the team got to feel really good about this one. All right. We want to say a big thanks to Locke and Boone calling all the action tonight. Great by those, uh, job by those two as usual. Uh, thanks to John Kiefer, our broadcast assistant. Thanks to Alex Lundberg course, executive producer of Jazz Game Night. Thanks to Mark Miller, Subaru title sponsor of the postgame show. Uh, Utah's only negotiation-free Subaru retailer and uh, proud to be the official Subaru partner of the Utah Jazz. Learn more at markmillersubaru.com. Tim, always a pleasure, my friend. Let's do it again on Wednesday. I, I think that sounds good. Just a, a breaking news here. I saw um, that the Cavaliers have actually uh, sourced close to Transylvania 
or wherever Frankenstein's from, uh, said there have been talks. They're looking for a monster in the middle. They're they're going to go for it. They gonna might Frankenstein's monster. A buyout clause. <laughs> <laughs> All right, your final. Uh, the Jazz mopped the floor with the Cleveland Cavaliers, one fourteen to seventy five. Our next broadcast coming your way Wednesday night. Jazz will take on the Grizzlies in Memphis. That game will tip off at 6 o'clock. Pre-game coverage begins at 5. And, of course, you'll hear it all right here on the Jazz Radio Network.